Charlie, the Bulldogs have got two flags now. That was two years ago, mate. Get over it. If you think we'll be insightful, clever or just well researched, we're here to say that's not the case. We'll just go out and wing it. We are two guys, one cup. It is Thursday, the 17th of May. Welcome to Two Guys, One Cup, an AFL podcast. I'm Will Anderson, and normally... Uh, the voice you will hear after that saying, I am Charlie Clawson, is Charlie Clawson. But today, uh, it is not Charlie Clawson because Charlie is flying between America and uh, Europe. Uh, so today, it is uh, Limo, Will and Limo, finally back together. <laughs> yes, I knew it had happened. It was just a matter of time. It's nearly been 10 years. So it's about time we got back together again. Is it real? Has it really been that long since we well, worked on the radio together? Our final broadcast was uh, late November... 2008 so we're nine and a half years oh my god yeah oh that's actually yeah right wow okay <laughs> time has flown it was a hawthorne premiership year oh, so at well, least i mean that doesn't really identify it as <laughs> being any specific year i mean i know this podcast celebrates the fact that both your football clubs haven't been overly successful yeah no time a, and i don't want to undermine that by coming onto the podcast. Yeah, today's two fan. guys, 14 cuts or something. <laughs> uh, we're two, two guys, 15. We're 13 and you're two. Oh, yeah. Well, you know what the thing was? I actually got yours right and ours wrong. because I, <laughs> I used to have one in your head. Because I was like, Hawthorne's got 13. And I was like, we've got one. I forgot that we won another one. <laughs> but wasn't Hawthorne, because uh, you had a feeling that you would win. In 2016, yeah, and that was wasn't that based reverse on the curse? Reverse the curse, yeah, it's 61 because 61 was oh, the last time right. yeah. that we had been uh, in the finals and we had lost to Hawthorne. That was yes. Hawthorne's first premiership, <laughs> yep. and we hadn't been back again and won one. And Hawthorne had managed to win 13 in the meantime. <laughs> and so my thing about 2016 was it was reverse the curse. 16 opposite of 61. It was the year of reversing the curse. And I, my big plan was we were going to play Hawthorne in the grand final and reverse the curse on grand yeah. final day. Well, it happened at the MCG a few weeks before that. It was just two weeks ahead of schedule that that happened. Do you feel, Will, as though um, winning the premiership has changed what it is to be a Bulldogs fan? And I say that because you used to be, well, the Bulldogs were everyone's second team which can either be a great thing or a really patronising thing, depending on how you want to view it. Well, I always say you're everybody's second team because nobody has a bad memory of losing a game against you that was important. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah, everyone's yeah, like, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I love the Bulldogs because I go back through my memory of the last 30 years and I can't remember some major occasion that they've really fucked up for me. Yeah, it was possibly only Peter Sumich fans who would remember Danny Southern choking him out at wherever that game was. Uh, that would be off the Bulldogs. But aside from that... There's been a bit of a... Um, it's funny because West Coast do have that for me as well. There was a bit of that enmity between the Bulldogs fan and the West Coast fans. And mm. regular listeners to this podcast have known that I've been on a journey the last couple of years uh, from my absolute hatred and loathing of West Coast and West Coast fans <laughs> through to a period where... like, I don't know if you're on board the Eagles this year, but I am 
all about the Eagles this really? year. I like the way they play. I, I enjoy a lot of the characters who play for the Eagles. Um, look, I'm starting to swing even my momentum on some West Coast fans. I just did some shows in Perth. Many of them came in their West Coast jumpers <laughs> straight from the game to the gig. Uh, I there... could see them in the crowd. They all laughed hard. I'm starting to really find some love in my heart for West Coast. <laughs> right. Was that a deliberate move from those West Coast fans because they know how you feel? Oh, or was it just because they were coming from the game? I think that Western Australia, probably more than anywhere else. I don't know, maybe Adelaide, you might be able to speak to this more. But there's still a lot more of just wearing your jumper out after a game, even if you're a grown adult, you know? <laughs> I've got my jumper on. Yeah. And as long yeah. as they don't lose, I'll be wearing this jumper until I go home. <laughs> you see a lot of that in Adelaide these days. You see a lot of it. Particularly now that the footy is at Adelaide Oval. So everyone just leaves Adelaide Open and goes straight out into the city. So you're seeing a lot of Port and Crows Guernseys just milling around town at midnight, one yeah. in the morning. Just I've just been out and about wearing my, <laughs> yeah. wearing my footy jumper. I'm 35. What's yeah. the big deal? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's been an interesting ride as a Bulldogs fan because we had the elation of the premiership, but we've had no kind of sustained or continued success. Yeah. So, for example... I'll put this in a different context. I think there's a there was a great love for Richmond winning the premiership, but I notice increasingly as it seems that Richmond are going to be the best team again this year yep. and that they're much better than everybody else. And then suddenly those long-suffering Richmond fans have gone from being long-suffering to being long-sufferable <laughs> about you know the success of the Richmond Football Club. I mean, they, they were up and about already. Now they yeah. are... I think there is an element that the Bulldogs have gone back to their natural place and everyone can kind of like them again. But the Richmond fans, people are starting to turn about their love of Richmond. Are they turning into the new Hawthorne fan? Because Hawthorne fans became the Collingwood fans and maybe now Richmond fans are becoming the Hawthorne fans. I was saw Mick Malloy recently and he really had a spring in his step. He was, he was up and about in a big way. And I said to him, I said, gee, you've got a little spring in your step. The Tigers are uh, doing all right. Not like the old days, is it? And he says, he goes, well, have you seen us play? And I thought, oh, you Tigers fans, you really are talking with a bit of confidence now. Yeah, whereas I was like, when we were being successful, I was like, this is nice, but it doesn't feel right. I imagine at some stage it will go back to normal. And sadly, that happened much more quickly than I would have hoped. It kicked in real quick. Didn't give me much time to get used. Well, because the thing about the Bulldogs as well is, like, we didn't even have that sustained period of time where we were the best team in the competition because we weren't the best team in the competition for the year the year we won it. We were the best team in the finals. You were the seventh best. Right. It was the seventh. You we finished, finished seventh. Seventh. Yeah. Right. So, and then we went back to being, and then we didn't make the finals the next year. <laughs> so really, all I have was like four weeks. <laughs> <laughs> you were the best team for four weeks. Hey, but they're the, they're the four weeks that matters, let's be honest. But the problem for Bulldog, the Bulldogs now is that my second teams now are Melbourne and St Kilda. They are now the two teams and I want them to win a premiership. Just because it's been 1964, I think, and 66. So I want them to catch up. Uh, regular listeners of this else. podcast know that, of course, I would love nothing more than a St Kilda Premiership. Uh, it's, it's, 
it has partly ruined the bond about football that Charlie and I had. I mean, the reason we started the podcast was <laughs> that we the thing that bonded us together in our enjoyment of talking about football that our teams were equally shit. Yeah. You know, we had equal tales of the pain that football had caused us, and that's really what the podcast was meant to be about. And then fucking old mate here won the lottery. <laughs> Fucking, it came September 2016, I filled out a scratchy at the local supermarket and won the fucking lottery. And it's just been harder for me to hang out with my mate. Um, So I've got a great deal of joy for St Kilda and I hope they do well. Uh, Here's something that you need to know about me though is, Mm. for whatever reason, and I can't really tell you why, I do not share that joy for the Melbourne Football Club. Really? I want Melbourne to be the new Richmond. I feel like that every competition needs a Richmond, you know, like a team that constantly promises a lot and then disappoints at the last moment and we can all kind of laugh at. And I feel like that Melbourne is just the natural successor to that crown. Well, they certainly ticked that box last year. It's like they took the baton off of Richmond before they were ready to hand it over last year. Because remember in round 23, they sent an email to all the members saying finals bound, ready for finals glory. And then... Three results just all fell the wrong way and they missed the finals. I mean, that's classic Richmond. <laughs> it's classic Richmond. I mean, you know, they're just, they're ready to be the new Richmond and I want it to happen. Like, I, I guess, you know what I'm like? I'm like the, the Emperor character, the Darth Vader character who wants yeah. to turn them to the dark side. I don't want them to use their powers for good. I want them to squat. Like, when they didn't go on that preseason camp, when they decided the preseason camp was oh, too, hard too hard and they mutinied, I sat at home just with so much joy in my heart. It was like I'd seen a preview of a movie I was looking forward to and the preview <laughs> looked amazing. I was like, this is it. This is what I want from Melbourne. This is Because they've kind of gone under the radar this year. They were good, then disappointing. And now I think they're fifth or something on the ladder. Yeah, I know. Fifth or sixth on the ladder. And I, my other... My added problem with Melbourne, or it's not a problem, is that I know I got to know Simon Goodwin years ago in Adelaide, and I really like him. Mm. So I want, so I kind of have a vague personal connection there. So I kind of want to see Goody do well. Yeah, well, can't he go, can't he go and coach some other team and do well? Go, well, he started out at Essendon, and that didn't work out so well. <laughs> Maybe Goody back to Essendon though. If like, <laughs> well, he could be after. I mean, Wusher. Apparently, his head's on the chopping block. Mind you, how's Wusher? He signed the contract and then just became rubbish. There, I mean, there's a theory that he was always not... Yeah, okay, so who knows, right? I don't know. Mm. Um, but the kind of theory around Wusher is that he's a great leader of men, you know, a great yeah. you know, bloke who can bring people together and all those sort of things. But he's not necessarily the master tactician. And even mm-hmm. when they won the premiership at West Coast, you know, the the late Phil Walsh uh, had, was brought in to sort of do the, you know, the tactical stuff, the yes. game plan stuff and you know, that. And, and that's why I thought it made sense when they appointed him at Essendon during that period of time where yeah they were yeah they had all those players out and they clearly needed somebody who was going to be really good it was less about game plan and more about you know keeping the yeah. enthusiasm around the club and the players and all those sort of things thought he was a great choice but when you come out the other side of that in the same way as happened with uh Brendan uh, McCarthy at uh, uh the Bulldogs uh, Brendan McCartney uh, yeah sorry yeah, yeah. yeah McCartney at the Bulldogs yeah um he uh was a great teacher you know a good uh 
person for developing talent, but he wasn't going to be the guy that could take you to the yeah, the premiership. Yeah, yeah. I was I it, I would have thought Rusey style that if uh, Wusher had got to the end of it and just gone, I'm done, and I'll walk away and bring in a new coach now for this bit of it, that it probably would have been the ideal scenario for yeah. Essendon. So maybe should they be looking at that now? A little succession plan. Say to Wusher, yeah, look, let's. You've got two years left, but can we just bring someone in to you know Adam Uze? I don't know whoever's next on the list. I mean, I guess that was meant to be Mark Neald. I think Mark Neald is the guy you hire when you don't want somebody coming after your job. That's why you put Mark Neald in as your 2IC. You're like, there's no way he's going to get this gig permanently. <laughs> he's the scout they send out at war. <laughs> Can you just go check over the hill and see, see what's there? I mean, it felt to me like Mark Neald is a... I mean, he's one of those guys too where it's just easier to sack a Mark Neald. You're never going to get any, like, you know, if you just looked around the room and go, who can we sack? And no one's going to complain. Even Mark Neal to be like, yeah, well, yeah I, to be honest, I thought I was lucky to get the job in the first place. So, I get it, guys. Yeah. I get it. I'd, been, say, I'd sack me too. I've been stealing stationery for six weeks. I <laughs> assumed this was coming, guys. There's never been any blowback on a Mark Neal sacking. Right. Um, so, but Essendon is a team I have just no... I just feel nothing for the Essendon Football Club and Carlton as well. When they lose games, I just go, whatever. But Collingwood, I, is if, you know, Collingwood's a much maligned football club. I have no issues with Collingwood whatsoever. I'm very happy to see Collingwood do well. I am at the moment. I haven't traditionally been, but I am happy to see them do well at the moment. Part of that I've got to acknowledge is self-interest. I work every morning with the <laughs> president of the Collingwood Football Club and his mood... Yeah. Uh, is uh, changed one way or the other by the results of the Collingwood Football Club. So I'm the first to admit that you know some of my enjoyment of Collingwood's success is self-interested, but mm. I think it's more about that team. You know, that team is a team that you can enjoy watching when they're at. Yeah. The, I think Bucks is one of those guys that we want to see succeed. You know, he speaks so well about football and he's been through the hard times. Let him have some fucking success, you know? Yeah. Um, you know, and we killed off Herdy and we killed off Vossi. Let one of them <laughs> fucking have a survive. win, right? Like, you know, surely yeah. the legacy of the three greatest players of their era shouldn't be that they then went into coaching and it destroyed their lives. <laughs> and, and their football clubs. <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> yeah. Like, I mean, let's not forget Vossi hired Brendan Favola. So, <laughs> I mean, this is, this is the history of those three guys, right? The three mm. best players of their era. Mm. Vossi has gone in to save Brisbane. Brisbane can't win a fucking game since because <laughs> yeah. he hired Fev and it all went wrong. Yeah. Uh, then uh, Herdy's gone back to Essendon, ruined his life and ruined the Essendon Football Club. <laughs> and Bucks, I mean, he's the only one we've got left. <laughs> Come on, Bucks. Come on, Bucks. And he's been on a knife's edge for a while. You know when Herdy first got hired at uh, Essendon after Matthew Knight's, his... Opening press conference, just got the job. Here it is, James Hurd, Essendon Golden Boy. He's back. At that press conference, he actually said, and I'm not making this up, he actually said, well, as a football club, uh, we've reached rock bottom, so it's only up from here. Now, when you look back at that, you think, wow, you really, you got a front-hand loader and you did a bit of digging, my friend, because you managed to get a little lower than where you were. I... Um I was talking to Hamish Blake. He was sitting on the couch that you were sitting on. Uh, we were doing an episode of My Willosophy yeah. podcast. At the end of it, 
uh, we started talking cricket. I didn't actually know that Hamish was a big cricket fan, and we just started right. chatting about the series in South Africa. And at that stage, uh, Rabata, the fast bowler, had been suspended uh, you know, yes. for the rest of the series. Yeah. And we were talking about whether they would challenge the suspension and, you know, what a controversial series the series in South Africa had been. <laughs> yeah, it turns out that took a real turn uh, a week later. <laughs> it really did. Yeah. When you thought, you know, punch up in the stairwell, uh, physical contact between players on the ground. Yeah, but, uh, officials posing with guys in Sonny Bill Williams. <laughs> yes. You know, things you're like... Well, I guess All this right. can't get any weirder. This, this is, is it, rock, rock bottom. bottom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, we've got one trick left up our sleeve here. Um, we showed a, a KFC ad from 2015 on Gruen last night. And it's just one of those moments where um, you've found just this gem. And it's David Warner at the HCG, which is his backyard cricket match. Uh, yeah. And he uh, he's talking about how the pitch was concrete. And then they literally show him taping up one side of a ball. <laughs> It's pretty great. I saw, I just missed that and saw the very next bit, I think, on Gruen, where he said, if cricket doesn't work out, I can always work at Coles. Oh, yeah, at Woolies. He used to work at at Woolies. Woolies. Yeah. At Woolies. (laughs) (laughs) Well. Got some spare time now, Dave. Good news. (laughs) As it it turns out. Um, So, Hawthorne, how do you feel about that? Because I, Clarko's obviously been in the news again of late. He's been having meetings with uh, the head of the AFL, Gill, about the state of the game. He's been in a blue with John Longmire. He's been speculating about his coaching future. Uh, <laughs> Jeff Kennett's back at the club, which feel, I don't feel like Clarko has welcomed with necessarily open arms. How How, how is the feeling at, at Hawthorne about Clarko? I think the Clarko-Jeffrey relationship works. Now, they may not be best mates, but I think they're both very pragmatic individuals, and Clarko sees that Jeff is good for the club, and Jeff obviously knows that Clarko is a super coach. <clears throat> but it's very hard to tie Jeff up in knots on much. He's a master politician. So remember when uh, Jeff called for Clarko's sacking back in 2013? Yep, I do. He said, "Well, you know, if he can't get the boys up, I don't know what the what the point is. Maybe it's time for him to move on." Well, we won the flag that year, yeah. and Jeff will take the credit for it. If you ask him about it, he'll say, yeah, well, there we go. I motivated him <laughs> to work a bit harder, and we won the premiership. So thanks very much. No worries at all. My pleasure. <laughs> that's just that's how Jeffrey works. So, I, But I love – see, I'm not from Victoria, so I don't have a visceral reaction to the mention of Jeff Kennett's name that a lot of Victorians have. Right. So – I have only love for Jeff Kennett because he's been amazing for our football club. Uh, he's an incredible ambassador for our football club and has done a lot for us. And I'm glad for one that he's back on board. I think he's providing a bit of direction that perhaps, you know, the club uh, had stalled a bit, I reckon. And he's, you know, he's sparked the engine back up again. Yeah. And I think Clark... That's, that's very funny because it's like to some Victorians and... Probably to myself, because I lived yeah, here and was starting doing stand-up comedy, which, you know, wasn't yeah, a yeah. hotbed of conservatism uh, <laughs> around the time that Jeff Kennett, uh, you know, was, you know, ruining Victoria for a while. Yeah. Uh, and uh, 
like you've got a bit more of like, ah, oh, you know what? But after the war, Hitler started painting again, <laughs> and he's actually a real nice guy now. You should taste his vegetarian korma. It yeah. is. I mean, seriously. I can tell you, he's got a soup kitchen he runs yeah. down on the corner for yeah, these homeless I mean, guys. I, I believe he had some troubles in the past, but I've only known him since the painting. So see how he is a sweetheart. Yeah. So that's that's the guy that I yeah. see. I've only known him post mo. You know, he's <laughs> this is his pomo period. Since he's since he's shaved and grown his hair out. Yeah. He's a lovely Just a nice guy. Yeah. So he's really passionate a- about Melbourne. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> loves this city. So that's the guy that I know. Uh, so I'm a, I'm a big fan of Jeffrey. And Clarko I love as well. And I and I, I absolutely buy Clarko's line that if I don't have if I don't have the players, and if I don't feel as though I'm connected to the players, then I'll just move on. Yeah. Now, how did you now, feel, how it did kills you... me to hear that because I think we've got – you could argue, you could argue greatest coach ever. Uh, if I, he wins one more flag, you could, that's a strong argument. He, there is, without a doubt, of the modern era, he yeah. is the greatest coach ever. It's hard to compare, you know, coaches of different eras, as you know, yeah, Lemo, yeah. But yeah. of the modern era, I, I just don't think there's any debate that Alistair Clarkson is the – like. A from where he took Hawthorne from, like where when you know, when people forget that that Hawthorne was well, we were bottom, yeah, and not in a good place just mm. in general the club at that point, but the fact that like nineteen of the other coaches in the league, you know, all were you know learnt at the feet of Alistair Clarkson, like the yeah. level of influence that he has had, you know, on the rest of the competition, yeah, on the style of the game, on, you know, the success of other clubs. I mean, you know, Luke Beveridge is an example, Dim is an example, all these guys who have gone off and had their own individual success, you know, at least partly based on, you know, what they learnt from Alistair yeah. Clarkson. And, you know, I mean, obviously he also then got yeah. Hawthorne through that terrible eight-round rebuild that you guys had to go through. I mean, that stressful. must have been a couple of months that... Oh, we, there were crisis <laughs> meetings. They put up a 1-800 helpline for Hawthorne fans. Sack Mark Neal. Just... He wasn't even working at the club. He had to go. Clark, I went around to Mark Neal's house one day and said, I'm sorry to break this to you, but we're going to have to fire you. Mark Neal's like, I'm, I work at Hawthorne? He said, not anymore. <laughs> <laughs> we rang Jeff Kennett said, Jeff, can you please come back? He said, oh, I don't know. Come on, Jeff. Turns out Jeff was already at the club. Yeah. Asking um, board members to resign. But this is the thing you've got to love about Jeff as well is, I mean, you know, love, you know, being whatever interpretation of that word. Yeah. But is the chutzpah of him, because he's the guy who brought in term limits for presidents at your club. Yes. And then he's the first guy to break the fucking rule and come back. Well, I mean, <laughs> like, technically the rule, speaking. The rule wasn't even a rule until he made it a rule. Like, so unless he'd actually made it a rule, him coming back wouldn't have been an issue at all. But he made a principal stand and then made a principal stand to be the guy who came back and broke his principal stand. <laughs> you know... Technically speaking, (laughs) he completed his first term and now he started another (laughs) term a few years later. So, you know, but hey, we're happy to have him back. We're happy for him to break his rule. So, yeah, no. So where do you feel Hawthorne are at? Because I I, agree with you. I think they've done a really good job of 
you know, replacing that next level down. And it's actually kind of what my hope is of what's happening at the Bulldogs at the moment because mm. I think that if you're judging the Bulldogs against the 2016 Bulldogs, you'd be disappointed with how the Bulldogs are going. But if you look at the Bulldogs as being the youngest list, uh, you know, in the league, which they have been, I think, every single week of this season, yeah. uh, and the reason that we're the youngest isn't, just because players have moved on or retired, we actually have some of our more experienced players just out with injury and stuff at the moment. You kind of hope that this period now where all these younger players are getting games in and like to see McRae, you know, step up to be a yeah. genuinely yeah. A pluser and you know, you forget he's 23. Like his best years of footy, uh, yeah. For- oh, Siri, Siri's got involved. In this conversation, what's, what's Siri having to say about it? Well, b- apparently, Siri's never come alive until I said McRae, and then suddenly Siri's <laughs> oh. shown some interest in the podcast for the first time ever. Is Siri twenty-two and single? I was about to say this. Oh, hang on. Now, now that we've said oh. Siri a couple of times, Siri's, oh, Siri's really showing <laughs> Siri's up and about. <laughs> so, Siri's a Bulldogs fan. Have you ever said to Siri, "Who do you barrack for?" I haven't. I don't know how to use Siri. Like Siri's just has independently inserted herself in this conversation. I think Siri's been upset that um, uh, that clearly that I am talking to you instead of Siri. I'm going to ask. Ask your Siri. Okay. Hello, Siri. Hey, hey Siri. Oh, hang on. Oh. <laughs> Siri, who do you barrack for? Who? Me. Yes, you. What about who do you barrack for in the AFL? Siri, who do you barrack for in the AFL? I'm abandoning this. God. Good choice, though. But much like the AFL uh, goal technology, we've been let down. (laughs) (laughs) We don't have the right angle. We don't have the behind the goals. What do they have? I hate goal review almost more than anything else in the AFL. We don't have the technology. It's like complete guesswork. They go, well, let's review it. With what? Yeah. And by who? There's no one knows. Right, it is. Then, wait, hotspot, te- in the tennis, they have hotspot technology. And in some forms of soccer, they have the equivalent of hotspot technology. Great, works. The whole crowd does, ooh, and then we see, which is such a tennis crowd. <laughs> I mean, they're starved for entertainment in a general sense. Such a tennis crowd thing to do. Um but we don't have the technology, so just let the goal umpires call it. They're going to get some wrong, they'll get some right. Yeah, absolutely. I, I like that human element of our game. But also, yeah. we keep forgetting, we, we think of our game as being a game of like hard and fast rules rather than a game where the laws are only really part of it to ensure that the game keeps functioning, right? Yeah. Like, if you played, if you paid every push in the back if you paid every incorrect disposal if you paid every you know chopping out the arms or whatever of these things then the game would just be a series of free kicks for the entire game essentially you pick like 10 of them a quarter the worst ones and you pay those and and then generally you get on with your business can you imagine if it all came down to if there was we had if we were offered perfect umpiring think of what we would have missed out on over this wayne harms one of the great most talked about punch-ins in the history of the AFL. What a glorious moment. What a glorious controversy that would be gone. 
Right. We wouldn't have it anymore. Maradona, let's go to soccer, the hand of God. You bet we would have been thieved of the hand of God that won Argentina that World Cup. I mean, I guess there's a nation of people who'd be probably happy about that, but... <laughs> Them. But we wouldn't. Yeah. Like, I mean, look, Gary Ablett's mark. The one oh, that... Oh, 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 <laughs> how that was paid? I'll never know. I mean, he never, not at any point did he control that mark. Not at any point. It bounced off his arm and then it bounced off his chest. I mean... That... <laughs> was it Gary Pert he was standing on? Yeah. Gary Pert had as much control over that ball as Gary Ablett did. I mean, what a fucking joke. Talk about being talk about fanboying as an umpire on the ground. Oh, that was outrageous. I mean, but that was paid. But do we think that the game would be worse? Like, I mean, that's considered, you know, mark of the century almost. Yeah. And it's one of those things where you're going, yeah, I mean... It's kind of attempt of the century. <laughs> it really is. It's an attempt at best. I mean, he got a beautiful sit. Yeah. It was perfectly placed for it. Yeah. Fucking dropped it. He was lucky enough that the ball bounced off him twice. <laughs> That's not control. <laughs> Unless he's some sort of juggler. But, uh, yeah, yeah, that's outrageous. See, we would have been stolen with that. I mean, essentially, they paid him the mark due to Newton's law of physics, which was the ball <laughs> fell at approximately the same pace as he did, despite their relative sizes. <laughs> yeah, that is he gravity. controlled it. No, 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 no. They just fell independently <laughs> at the same rate. <laughs> Any student of physics will tell you that it doesn't matter what weight it is, they fall at the same speed. Hang on. We'll get Gary, we'll get the ball, and we'll get a feather. I can show you this. It's a good experiment. <laughs> Trust us, it's 9.8 metres per second per second is the rate of acceleration, regardless of the weight of the object. Um, The umpire touching has been probably a good example of the nature of interpretation. Like we are, Charlie and I have talked about this quite a lot on the podcast, Mm. and I think it's something that we risk legislating out of the game, which is that so much of our game is an interpretation, right? Like, you know, we're literally the only game in the world that we criticise the umpires so much in our game, and I find it so hilarious because not only do we make them enforce rules in the most complicated game in the world where they have to run like a marathon while they're making these decisions at every moment. But also some of them, you just have to read the person's mind to see if they're doing something on purpose or not. Like (laughs) you make a good point about the running tennis umpires just sit in a fucking chair. Right. And they're looking at one line. They've got a judge on every other line staring down the line and they've got a computer doing it as well. I mean, what's the point of that person? We can lose them. Right. We can lose. We Whereas can lose. our guys, we're making do a hundred hundreds and then make split second decisions. Yeah. Whilst being abused. Right. Oh, by the way, your decision's got to be whether they did that thing on purpose or not. Not the actual result of the action. Yeah. You've got to now interpret whether it was on purpose or not. Read their mind. Over to you. Quick now. Yeah. And if you get just one wrong out of the 30 decisions you make during the day, mm. we'll crucify you for a week. It'll be the, uh, the decision will be replayed in slow motion over 
and over and over again for the next week. Yeah, you rem- yeah, that's what they should actually have to do at the tribunal and stuff. They should go, you can judge you know, the umpire's decision or what that person did in that situation. But first, tribunal members, you have to get on this treadmill and sprint for 20 <laughs> minutes and then we're going to show you the footage in real speed. And then you decide whether they made the right decision or not. You know, the tribunal, I was talking to someone who was... Uh, has was recently a part of the AFL uh, match review panel, uh-huh. and they said they used to do reenactments. So they would get members of the panel themselves would reenact whatever happened <laughs> on the ground, you know, <laughs> just to work out angles and potential force and all. You know. But even then, they're not. What they really need if they're going to do that is. They need guys who haven't quite made it to the top grade but still want to be involved in the industry. Because <laughs> so, you need some I'm a reenactment guy. Yeah. I'm tribunal reenactment. Well, there's guy. no point Michael Christian and like, you know, um, Stephen Hawking trying to be Nick Nat and, you know, blah blah blah. You've got to get equivalent size people to, in that situation. So Monday morning yep. there's like a casting call. Yeah. So we need a six foot eight Fijian guy. Yeah. <laughs> we need um, <laughs> weighs 110 kilos. <laughs> we need uh, some five foot nine dude What's who's ga- prepared to have his head ploughed into the floor of the tribunal <laughs> over and over and over again while we're working out whether. <laughs> All right, one more time, guys. Oh, for fuck's sake. <laughs> Where's Gary tonight? Well, um, see, uh, Barry Hall uh, hit uh, Staker and... Um, well, anyway, he's an exact match for Staker, so he's probably not going to be at training Thursday either. He's in a coma. He's actually in a coma. He's... Punching the head 30 times at the tribunal. (laughs) (laughs) Love to be a fly on the wall. (laughs) I mean, they could then, but then they could broadcast the tribunal. I mean, we're looking at more transparency. If you were having live reenactments of the thing that happened, like if you could tune in on Mm. a Monday night to, you know, uh, tribunals 360, and Mm. it's like, you know, it's like on the set of the tribunal with like live reenactments of the thing that happened with like a discussion of like, you know, what oh, it I mean, don't tell be... me people wouldn't watch that, Ooh, right? That would rate its ass off. Right? There you In go, fact, Fox Footy. Even if they just had live tribunal, I would watch that. Well you would if it was a big enough yeah. case if you were in if it was your own club, if you were interested in it. Like I mean, this appeal with the Kurnow brothers, uh which is happening Tonight, but possibly will have happened by the time people are listening to well, this. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I don't think that... Um, uh, look, it's, it's fair to say that uh, no one comes to this podcast for footy information, Lemo. <laughs> Breaking news. <laughs> uh, seriously. Like, our best episodes, we've literally got to the point now. I think we made the mistake at some stage where we thought we had to keep up with the footy. Our best ones have been ones where we're going, do you watch anything on the weekend? No. Nah. You either? No. Nah. All right. Do you reckon AFL players wash their own socks? <laughs> Because uh, <laughs> I listened to I was listening to last week's episode 
and there's a hilarious conversation around the socks because I'm, you made me genuinely curious. So this morning, to continue my investigation into Sockgate, yeah. uh, because it was something we started thinking about last, last year, and it turns out that there's a real distinction between the various clubs on how much of their laundry is done by the club and oh, how much right. is done by the players. So some clubs you might have to even do your own shorts and socks, but um, most clubs they'll do the shorts for you, and right. then uh, you know socks. Uh, you know you might have to handle yourself, but you... some clubs do everything. Right. And I'm really fascinated by because there's all sorts of issues that arise with that. Right. If you're washing your own socks, you're wearing your own socks every week. If they yeah. go into a communal pool, you're just getting someone else's the same size socks. You know, next week they're not necessarily mm. your socks that you're getting back. Anyway, so I asked the the king, Wayne Carey, uh, you know, the greatest modern-day AFL player on the radio this morning about yes. uh, socks and uh, what the routine was at North Melbourne during his glory years. And he told me that they would get, I think, uh, two pairs of white socks, two pairs of blue socks, you know, for the year, and then, um, you know, some training socks. And their responsibility was to wash the socks themselves right. every week. And I said, Wayne, I can't really imagine you you know, washing your own socks. And he said, no, I didn't. He would just rock up every week without socks and say, well, they're not going to send me out without socks, are they? So they just give him a new pair of socks. When you're the greatest player, yeah, you can do that. Yeah, You can take that liberty with your football club. I, I'm curious now. I feel like, so do you know what happens? At, so at Fremantle, yeah. I know Charlie had a whisper from the West last week. Oh, well, about the nature of... Well, because this is another thing that we haven't got to the bottom of yet, which is this idea that, you know, when you're playing away, I yeah. assume you take all your laundry back with you. That's surely got to be the the or way you, that it happens. Or right? do you leave it in the away city for the next time you play there? Oh, yeah, but that's risky though, isn't it? What happens if you get back to the away city and then say, oh, I mean, I suppose you could have like a... If they, Fremantle, because Fremantle would have an office in Melbourne somewhere. Yeah, right. So you reckon they just keep all the away stuff? So they keep all the socks and the shorts there and just give them back to the boys. I don't know, but doesn't that mean that you need to then have a property steward in Western Australia and a property steward for away? And the other thing is that West Coast aren't only playing away, right? They play. They aren't. Sorry, they aren't only playing in Melbourne when they play away. Yeah, so true. it's not enough to have a Melbourne office. You'd also have to have a Brisbane office and a Gold Coast office and a you yeah, know right. a, an Adelaide office. And not every club is going to have an office in every city with like a spare change of clothes for that city, are they? <laughs> I mean, no, you make a good point. So they. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's important we get to the bottom of this. I'm having I'm having memories now of when we were on radio together, and one of the great lines ever spoken on radio was "Come back from a song." And I think you might have said, "Well, if you've just if you've just joined us, we're spinning lettuce." Yeah, we're drawing lettuce. We're drawing lettuce. If you've just joined us, we're drawing lettuce. And the reason was that we had had a debate on air about a salad spinner. I had been extolling the virtues of drawing your lettuce in a salad spinner, yes. and you had said that I was an idiot. And so we had decided to uh, test that theory by. Yeah live on air during the show, drying lettuce. And I was using my spinner and you were using like a, a tea I was just towel, using my hands. Just using your hands. Yeah. And to test the theory, we invited <laughs> into the studio a rabbit, a live rabbit. <laughs> a live rabbit, Because yes. who else is an expert in lettuce and a model from Australia's Next Top Model. Because yeah. we thought, if you're going to judge lettuce, a model and a rabbit, are you two? <laughs> Don't get better than that. 
And it turned out that both the model and the rabbit preferred the lettuce out of the spinner. I know. So there you yeah, go. So. Anyway, it took us an hour and a half of national radio to work that out. Can't believe the show got cancelled. <laughs> oh, real head scratcher over that sacking. Um. Hey, um, I'm just going to pause for a bathroom break. Oh, we're back. But oh, we're back. we're back. Do you, do you hey, want me to tell me off air? Or? I've just, no, no. I've just text uh, Ruffy yep. to see what he does with his socks at Hawthorne. Okay. To see if he good. washes them or if a property steward takes care of them. Okay, good. Well, we might get a live update on that uh, during the show, so, which would be good. Uh, somebody has sent me through, uh, and we always appreciate this, if you want to yes. hit us up on the Facebook page or whatever, with some information about uh, this topic. So... Of course, Port Power at the moment are going to China. And so uh, yes. there's some uh, articles, you know, in the press about what they take over to a game. So it's given us a little bit of an insight oh, into right. what they're traveling with. Now, I did read a headline uh, that said they're taking heaps of stuff, but I didn't read the article. Right. So they've got 600 kilograms of freight. So they've done a breakdown of what it is that <laughs> okay. they've had to take over yeah. to China. So this is actually pretty good for our, for our needs here. Um, 68 kilograms of uh, jerseys, training jumpers, and shorts. 68. All right. That sounds like a lot. But so that's, but that's every, I guess, all their training jumpers, their game jumpers, and yeah. you know, shorts. That makes sense, right? 69 kilograms of football boots. Okay. So that's, I, I would have thought, I would have thought the, the players, players would take their own individual football boots. Yes. So would have I. Or do the, have the players just given everything to the club? And let the club to pack with them and because go. The players can't be trusted to remember. Because I can imagine a handful of footballers going, "Oh, I didn't pack my boots." Well, I mean, Ooh. imagine you take some spare boots, but you're not going to take like spare boots for everyone, are you? You're not going to take 68 kilograms worth of spare boots. I guess the problem is that if you do forget your boots and you're in China, it's tough to pick up a pair of <laughs> AFL footy boots <laughs> locally. I don't know. Oh. Well, I, mean, I reckon there'd be a factory somewhere that could whip some up for you. You know what? Your point is actually more valid than mine. You're actually probably closer to the source than you are if yeah. you're in Australia. In fact, of all the places. Yeah. I reckon Shanghai, with a population of 24 million, yeah. you're going to find a place that can whip you up a pair of footy boots. Okay, 37 kilograms of footies. Uh, oh, oh, hang on. Oh, hang on. Oh, here's Ruffy. Is that him? Yeah, okay, yeah, brilliant. This is great. Okay, okay fantastic. So... Uh, oh, Ruffy says, uh, he says, I wash everything of mine bar the jumper. So Ruffy washes his shorts. Well, shorts and socks, I guess that's it. Uh, but the jumper he gives back to the property steward. So there you go. What about tracksuit? I mean, that means he probably takes his tracksuit and stuff home as well and washes all that as well, I'd imagine. Uh, Ruffy is a very neat, tidy... Uh, he's, you know what I would love? Almost, I, would, I, I would love if he's the only one who washes his shorts. <laughs> like if everybody else at the club gives them to the property steward, right, but I'll, Ruffy I'll, takes I'll, them I'll home and I'll go... Say, I'll take <laughs> yeah, does everybody do the same thing? That's what I want to know. Okay, is that so. a rule at Hawthorne or is that just you know, part of his own personal philosophy? I, I, that's what I would okay, like to know. Because he does have... Uh, I'm not going to say he's OCD, but no. he's very particular... But also, he's a leader. You've got to set an example yeah, of the club. Set an exa- you've like, in the same way as Chris Judd used to, like, uh, weigh his food and, you know, look after what he ate because you're setting an example for the younger players. Maybe Ruffy, you know, good country boy, good manners, well, you know, well raised. Yeah, yeah, You yeah. know, taking his shorts home to wash them. 
So I, I, I could not be more fascinated by this topic. If there was a footy <laughs> show that was only about which various players and how they handle their equipment, that would be <laughs> I would be totally up for that <laughs> as a show. Okay, so I'm just saying. Okay, great. I've caught him very tidy. Yeah. Uh, then I'm saying same for everyone else. Question mark. Let's yep. see what he comes back. Okay, with. cool. All right. So 37 kilograms of footballs. Yep. 30 kilograms of protein, caffeine, and beetroot. What? Can you say that again? <laughs> 37 kilograms of what? So, so it starts fine. 37 kilograms of protein. Yeah. Makes sense. Caffeine. Right. And beetroot. And beetroot. <laughs> What's with the beetroot? Is this like, is, that, is this their equivalent of the Essendon supplement saga? Is beetroot the new supplement that's giving them the edge <laughs> over the opposition? <laughs> and... I know beetroot is something with a is is a beetroot Australian. Is beetroot well, I mean, beetroot, uniquely you know, Australian. The Aussie hamburger has beetroot in it, which is what makes it different to hamburgers around the world. But, but can you can you get beetroot in China? I mean, oh man, I would have thought so. I would have thought so, but yeah. maybe not. Okay, uh, thirty kilograms of cherry juice. Ch- cherry juice. What che- like uh, oh, cherries? <laughs> <laughs> But cherry juice. I didn't even know cherry juice was a thing. I didn't either. Right. Beetroot and cherry juice, apparently. Oh, this is that. This is the modern. Like they've learnt their lessons. You don't go to some witch doctor for your no. supplements. You go. They've got a herbalist on board. Who <laughs> they're trying to get their edge through? Cherry uh, juice. And thirty beetroot. grams of cherry juice and muesli bars. Yeah. Twenty-two kilograms of bandages, tape, and medical supplies. Eighteen kilograms of towels. And 15 kilograms of ruck bags. doesn't say anything about... So it just says jerseys. It didn't say jerseys, training jumpers and shorts. So no socks. So that implies that the power are also responsible for their own socks, I would say. Yeah. That, I reckon that's what that means. That's interesting. I would like to know if I've got any more information about that, but I quite like that. That's good. All right. Uh, so hopefully, rough. Oh, here we go. Uh... Okay, so here's the, my reply from Ruff. <laughs> uh, he goes, okay, so it's different at Hawthorne. He, Ruff's, I can't really read out what he's written here. But yeah, okay. But you I'll give, give you, you, the, give I'll give you the, the flavor. Give us the flavor. Because he's, he's a very tidy dude and very particular. He washes his own shorts and socks. He says some of the guys are less than tidy uh-huh. and need to be looked after a little better. So some will have everything done for them and some will do, like him, clean everything themselves. Right, so a, specific, a specifically tailored program. Yeah. I mean, this <laughs> yes. is what yes. gives them the advantage though, right? It's not yeah. an all-for-one approach. <laughs> no. I mean, this is just yet It's another, whatever works for you. This is the modern-day game though, isn't it? <laughs> this is a great example of the modern-day game <laughs> really because... Is. He was, I thinking, it was a one-sock-fits-all situation, (laughs) but it's clearly... No. As we saw from Geelong a couple of weeks ago, it's not one-sock-fits-all because Paddy Dangerfield has enormous calves. Yes, but as we were talking about on the podcast last week, it's actually got to be a foot-to-calf ratio issue, right? Because enormous (laughs) calves, you can't have the biggest calves in the team. I bet Tommy Hawkins' calves are bigger, but I think... Tommy Hawkins' feet are also bigger. So yeah. the adequate size sock to fit the calves also fits his foot. 
But I think that Paddy Dangerfield has smaller feet. I'm speculating, by the way. No, no research. I'm just saying that I think it's his foot-to-calf ratio, not the actual size of his calves. Oh, right. Because he's never – I've really never noticed Paddy Dangerfield's calves. No. Whereas Gary Ayres, for example – Yeah. I always looked at him and went, "Wow, oh, they're massive calves." Yeah, no, but he, yeah, I reckon he had a probably he was probably in proportion. I don't think that he just had unusually big calves. So he had a good ratio. Yeah, I think he's ratio. I mean, I don't want to like you know put Paddy Dangerfield on notice, <laughs> but oh, sorry, just as a regular update, Nat Five is still good. Sorry, just so people, so, oh, yeah, I just right, yeah, yeah. letting people know. It's yeah, yeah. <laughs> Nat Five still really good. No, he's good. Yeah, um, so, uh, look, we should um, not talk forever because we could, but, like, you know, another 15 minutes or so. So, I, uh, last weekend, because uh, I know that, you know, you and Charlie, sometimes the best podcast you do when you don't, as you say, yes. when you don't watch any games. Don't watch the games. I did watch a few games last weekend. Yeah, me too. And one I want to talk about yes. is the showdown. How good was it? It was an amazing game of football. But in particular, what I want to mention is that I watched the showdown at the Rose in Fitzroy. It's a pub. Yep. I know that you know the Rose. Uh, and it was packed with Crows and Power fans. Jam-packed. And there are one, two, three, four, five televisions in the Rose. Four of them were on the showdown. And one television was on the Melbourne Gold Coast game. And I swear there were three Melbourne fans in the whole pub. Yeah, and watching like, that but one probably television. about 60 or 70 Gold Coast fans, oh, though, right? Oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah. And the Gold Coast <laughs> no, I mean, packed with Gold Coast fans. Oh, and they were circling the pub waiting, yeah. waiting to get in. Um, but yeah, three Melbourne fans and Crows and Power fans packed the entire joint out. That uh, showdown was an amazing game of football. Yeah. I'm, I'm probably willing to go on the record to say that it was even better than the Q clash from earlier in the year. Ooh, so, that is a big I mean, call. it's a big call. That is a big call. I mean, there's a lot of emotion around the Q clash, obviously, but... <laughs> well, you know. I mean, you know, they're fighting for the... Whatever they're fighting for yeah, the, up there. And the, then there's the... Um, I mean, the Battle of the Bridge in... New South Wales, it stops the state. I mean, it, it stops. Yeah, it stop, It does, doesn't it? Yeah. I yeah. mean, you can't actually even go over bridges. In they, <laughs> that's what they do on that day. They shut all bridges because <laughs> yeah. the game means so much to to New South Wales. <laughs> and everyone's happy for the bridges to be shut. Yeah. In fact, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Some some of them burn the bridges, which is impractical, but yeah. they have to rebuild them again later. That's silly. What I love about that is it's the Battle of the Bridge, yet both sides are located yeah. on the south side of the Sydney Harbour mm. Bridge. Yeah. <laughs> It's like GWS it's and the Swans against the North Shore of Sydney, <laughs> who don't know they're involved in the battle. No, mate, it's the Battle of the Anzac Bridge. Oh, sorry, the Anzac Bridge. Yes. Okay, my bad. Sorry, they have to have that in there. The Battle of the Anzac. Lesser Known Sydney Bridge. <laughs> the Battle of the Bridge. Not the bridge you're thinking of. <laughs> the one you have to cross over if you're travelling from Blacktown to... Yeah. yeah, the Battle of the Opera House. Oh, not the... Not that... Sydney, not yeah, that oh, Opera not House. Opera House, right. I got it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, they're just so fucking meaningless, aren't they, these guys? Oh, no. Oh, when I said the MCG, I said... I meant the Monica Cricket Ground. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. Monica in Canberra. Um, uh, how was that crowd, though, up in Brisbane last week? Strong 6,000, though, at the Gabba. Really filled it out. 6,000. If you opened, and now they're off, they'll be lost Gold Coast Suns fans this week because they're a sellout hmm. in Shanghai. Yep. All 11,000 seats gone. Sold. <laughs> not, Sold. Ne- not necessarily going to be filled with people right. if last yeah, year yeah, is any yeah, indication yeah. of That's how that goes. That's because they said sold out last year, didn't they? Yeah. And it was half full. Yeah. 
I reckon in Shanghai, 24 million people live in Shanghai, right? Oh. And the size of the city, it's from an area perspective, it's half the size of Sydney, right? From the area it covers. So you could just open the doors of the stadium and I reckon 11,000 people would just accidentally walk in. Oh, I'll go a step further. Offer them the opportunity to sit in space. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? <laughs> it's like, come to the game. And you can spread out. It'll be relaxing. <laughs> Mate, you've never felt the comfort. <laughs> would you like the experience of not feeling jammed in to where you are? <laughs> then come and see Port Adelaide take on the Gold Coast <laughs> at Shanghai Stadium. We're selling you space. <laughs> yeah, like, <laughs> Mate, there'll be something on at the same time. But really, <laughs> yeah. just stretch out your legs. <laughs> Selling you, or is it Australian rules football? Yeah, leg room. Oh, oh okay. Yeah, we'll come along. Yeah, for two Give me hours. Five. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, um, what a what a pointless foray in football it is. Well, okay. So this is interesting to me. What do you think about? Um, well, okay. So firstly, that Adelaide game. Let's just quickly talk oh, about yeah, that sure. because it was just such an amazing game. Because yeah. it kind of the first half was fine. But then Port in that third quarter were fantastic. And Robbie Gray is one of those players where I don't really enjoy seeing Robbie Gray being consistently good. Uh, yeah. But God, I love seeing Robbie Gray have an awesome quarter. Yeah. He's five. one of those guys that if I can just tune in for a quarter and he kicks five goals and then I don't have to think about Robbie Gray again for a while, <laughs> yeah. I'm wrapped. That Because that was a freakish quarter. Five goals in a quarter. He's such Insane. a good player. Insane. And the, like... The relationship between him and Ryder and like it's like you genuinely they're the only ones that look like they're genuinely rucking in the competition on oh Sanderlands and Fife. But other than that, yeah. like a lot of it's always a bit messy. It's always like, you know, even if the ruckman are good ruckman, you don't necessarily like yeah, yeah, Gorn's having a good season and Grundy's having a good season, but they don't have that in sync nature that like yeah. those guys seem to have. It's so good to watch. And when I see it, there was one in the third quarter where uh, Ryder just tapped it straight to Gray and then he just ran and kicked a goal. Mm. I look at that and I go, haven't you guys done any opposition research? Yeah, you ever heard of Robbie Gray? <laughs> Remember last year when, <laughs> when he, he won they the did game. that exact same thing yeah. and won the game? How can you not have that covered off at a boundary throw-in? Like it's a stoppage. It's not like it's open play where you can get mm. lost. They were like, oh, no, we were mining his brother. Everyone's like, it's not his brother. <laughs> yeah, have you done no research on this guy? <laughs> They have the same last name. <laughs> They've got three players on the other grey. <laughs> We've got him. It's all good. It's all good. He's not getting out of this. There's that famous story about how Tim Smith got the. There was they, they, they uh, essentially Kerry Packer. Tim Smith got poached to Channel Nine on this massive amount of money because he was on the Comedy Company, and Kerry Packer had gone get me that fat guy off the Comedy Company, and they'd wanted like Mark Mitchell, and they, <laughs> they went and got Tim Smith. And Tim Smith benefited from it highly. <laughs> was happy to take the money. He was like, I don't even have my own regular character, but sure. <laughs> happy to be the fat guy. Um, but then Adelaide's comeback was, you know, equally fantastic. It was just such a good game of footy. Two minutes, 47 seconds left in that game. Uh, Port were up by 17 points. Four goals were kicked in the last two minutes and 47 seconds. And apparently football's dead. Mm. Yeah, no, it was amazing. That was such a good game of footy. Um, who else? What were the other highlights of the weekend? Uh, so, well, Ben, Mc, ben uh, Ronk. Yeah. Kicking seven, seven goals, goals against Hawthorne. Third game, first game at the G. First game at the G. Got lost on the way down <laughs> to the ground. Lost on the way to the ground. Here's a list of Swans players who have kicked five first half goals in the last 20 years. Are you ready? 
There's four on the list. Right, let guess. me guess. Okay, yeah. All right. Uh, in the last how many years? 20 years. Tony Lockett? Yep. What's it? Five in the... Fir- five first half goals. Okay. Uh, Buddy Franklin? Yep. Uh, Barry Hall? Yep. And... Oh, so is there four or is there five? Four altogether. Oh, and wrong. Ben, ben wrong. <laughs> <laughs> How about that for a list? A guy who was so little known that on the entire Triple M coverage, they called him Ronky. Right, exactly. <laughs> no one knew how to say his name until the next day because Longmire was calling him Ronky in the press conference, yep. but that's only because his nickname's Ronky. His nickname's Ronky. His real name's Ronk. Yes. Um, and Paul, I was listening to Paul Ruse on Sunday on Triple M, and he goes, oh, have we been getting Dane Rampy's name wrong the whole time? Is it just Dane Ramp? <laughs> Ramp. And I was like, Rusey, it's not a bad little gag, to be honest, mate. <laughs> yeah, 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 mate like, he's done it right there. Yeah. He's done it right. And uh, Ronk, the first player in AFL-VFL history, well, as far back as the stats go, to kick seven goals and have ten tackles in a game. Well, that's never that's... happened before since they've been taking tackling stats. I mean, it was a tough week to be Essendon because, you know, they did that thing about, you know, what the problem with Essendon is, you yeah. know, and tackling, you know, they're not tackling and they just went through Stringer no tackles and yeah, yeah. Heppel one tackle Goddard, and Hurley no tackles, one tackle yeah. and Goddard no tackles and whatever. And then you've got this kid, like, three games into his career, he's laid ten tackles. Oh, and also kicked seven <laughs> goals. Seven goals. And that was an, an, an incredible game because... Both sides only really had like what Hawthorne might have like four goal kickers and like Sydney had three or like something like yeah, that. It was like yeah. it was a really low amount for a game where that neither of them had a particular key forward. It was a very unusual game in the way that uh, yeah. the goals were scored. Yeah, that was a good game of footy too, though. I mean, I it, know that. Yeah, it was a ri- it was a ripper. Uh, I mean, you know, we hated it obviously yeah. in the end. But it was a good game of footy. But it was a great game. And I feel for Charlie with St Kilda not being able to kick a goal. I mean, there is just something in their heads where they cannot... My wife had a good observation, though. Remember when St Kilda played Hawthorne and Membry kicked the ball into the goalpost from two metres away? And that same weekend, Justin Westoff at Port missed the goals from... He was standing in the middle of the goal square on the run. And I was saying to Kel, I can't believe we're missing, you know, th- these goals have been missed. And my wife, in a quite a good comedic moment, I decided, said, well, I totally get it. I said, what are you talking about? She said, I've been watching you stand over the toilet bowl for years and piss all over the floor. So how can you possibly be surprised that these guys can't kick goals or can't hit a target from, from two metres away? So, oh, yeah, fair enough. Yeah. Well, maybe that's the issue. Maybe you've got to do it more like the middle of the night when you don't want to turn on the light. It's got, it's got a new close your thing. eyes. Close your eyes. Just listen for the sound. <laughs> listen for the cheer squad. Kick towards the cheer squad. It seems that Paddy McCartan has a new uh, approach to his run-up. Uh, this is unusual. He's, he's closing his eyes and he's he's taking off his shorts. <laughs> this is... He seems to be taking tiny steps, edging himself towards... <laughs> he's really feeling around Just this one. Really? <laughs> <laughs> I would love that so much. It's his technique. What are we? What can we do? 
I do love that is one of the bits of the game that I still love. Is like I was watching North Melbourne play on the weekend, and you, you forget until you. Particularly, uh, there was one Ben Brown goal where he was kicking from like you know no more than twenty five thirty out, oh, yeah. and so he's run up. He goes further back than the goals are <laughs> yes. after the person on the mark. Yeah, and it is quite ridiculous. But yeah. it obviously is a hugely successful. I mean, he's a great goal kicker. He's and- a great goal kicker. But I do, I look at that and I think, what the? I was watching the VFL game that was the curtain raiser to that one because I was at the Docklands last weekend, and there was a guy in the VFL. Same thing. He was 20 metres out. I reckon he had a 40-metre run-up. So, mate, what? You're just giving yourself so many more chances to stuff this up. Right. I don't know why. Because if you stood, if any AFL player stood in one spot and off a step, kicked 30 metres, they would hit you on the chest every single time. I mean, it's got to be about the idea of the pressure. And we've all done that, right? You know, you've done that. On stage, you know, you've, when a, it's a big moment or a big gig or whatever, mm. you've let, you know, that moment where you're like, ah, oh, shit, I'm inside my head because so-and-so's in the audience or oh, whatever's yeah, yeah, happening yeah. and I'm not hitting my jokes and now I'm thinking about that. Now I'm thinking about the fact that so-and-so's here <laughs> and I'm not thinking about my fucking routine. Imagine and now, the voices going around in their heads as they're running in kicking for a goal. 70,000 people yelling at you, people waving oh, behind the thing. That would be, I mean, that would be torment. I'd love to know what those conversations are that are inside people's heads you're going to miss this you're going to, they'd be telling themselves that of course they would or they'd be you're or, going to drop this crooked you're going to get this out in the fall well i heard bob murphy actually talk about this and he was saying that you know he went and saw a several different therapists about you know a range of things but one of the things he talked about was goal kicking and the, the they'd said uh what uh, what are you thinking when you are kicking for goal mm. and he said uh don't miss this Right? Don't miss this. That's a natural thing to think in that situation. Don't miss this. And the psychologist was saying that, well, your brain is just hearing miss this. Like your brain doesn't necessarily pick up all the words. The two big ones in your mind are not don't, they miss this. And so already your brain is making that connection as opposed to the... Like anyway, he he spoke about it in length. It was a really interesting interview, but that was one of the things... He said his steps were about the thing that he was saying. So I think he's ended up being something like you drop the ball onto your foot or whatever it was that was the thing that he was saying. And the rhythm of his run-up was there was one step for each of the words. So he would use, like the, literally the way he ran in was, it was like him saying the words right. to himself in the head as he as was dropped, kicking yeah, for right, God, okay. which was you know a really interesting way of Because you know they say, have you ever been skiing? Ah. Uh, they say when you go skiing, don't look at what you want to avoid. So, you know, if you're skiing towards a tree, don't look at the tree because you'll hit the fucking tree. Look where you're... And same if you're on a push bike and whatever. Don't look at what you don't want to hit because you'll fucking hit it. Look at where you want to go because that's where you'll end up going. Can I tell you just... And he'll hate me telling this story, but he's never going to listen to this podcast, so he'll be fine about it. (laughs) And I say lots of nice things about him in every other situation, so he'll be fine about it. But our good mutual friend, David Hughes, David William Hughes, uh, we once went and did a snow gig together when we'd all started doing stand-up. And it was one of those ones where no pay, but yeah, a couple of days at the snow for free and like, you know, free drinks and whatever. And so it was... Uh, Rove and myself and Husey and uh, maybe Joe Stanley, I think oh, Joe yeah, might have yeah. been on that trip as well, and a couple other people as well. 
terrible shows. Te- absolutely terrible, terrible shows. Um, in like bars where people didn't know there was going to be comedy on. In one of them, there was a dartboard like just to the left of the stage and they wouldn't stop playing darts <laughs> while we were on stage <laughs> during the it. show. Yeah, like right. it was one of those sort of shows. Yeah. But thrown in, free skiing, right? Yeah. Had to provide your own equipment or hire your own equipment. <laughs> right. Well, I think they maybe they were providing the skis and shit, but you had to like your own what you were going to wear and stuff yeah, you had sure. to provide. So Husey had borrowed a guy called Thomas Bromhead, who was like another comedian on the yeah, scene at yeah, the time, yeah. his mum's <laughs> ski outfit. And so right. Husey was going down the slopes in this like, it looked like a three-quarter onesie jumps, perp, lavender, lavender jumpsuit. Yeah, yeah. And first day of skiing, no lessons. Tough day, first day of skiing, no lessons. Like, it takes you a day to pick it up. Skiing is yeah. one of those things where when you're terrible at it, it feels like you're the most uncoordinated person yeah, yeah, in the world. Yeah. The minute you pick it up, you kind of go, oh, okay, well, I can kind of do this a bit better now. But that period between competency and just being terrible at it is a yeah. really hard period. But Husey, as you well know, one of the most determined men in the <laughs> yes. entire world. So despite the fact that he was in a ladies' three-quarter <laughs> ski suit, just went up and down that mountain all day long, going, I am going to get this. And when I think about it, it still amuses me. <laughs> 20 years ago. Oh, I wish there were photos of that. Oh, there, oh, no, there is somewhere. Oh, there is. I've got, there's definitely somewhere if I can find them one day. I've got at least a photo of all of us in our ski gear together. Yeah. And yeah, I've got to, I've got to get it out. Okay, we should finish up. What else was from, was there anything else from last weekend that we should? Uh, well, just the, on the St. Kilda for, uh, and oh, I'm yeah. sure Charlie's across this, Ben Dixon is their goal kicking coach. Yes. Former Hawk. Yes. Uh, so... If they don't improve their goal kicking, St Kilda could end up sacking Mark Neild. Yeah, uh, <laughs> that's what they've got to do. That's what they've that's got what to do. They need to sack Mark Neild. Wouldn't it be great if Alan Richardson came out this week and goes, "We've got a new plan. We've hired Mark Neild." <laughs> we all go, "Well, we can see where this is going." <laughs> Heads are rolling out of the club. Mark Neild's the first to go. <laughs> Oh, funny. <laughs> um, uh, well, you normally do predictions. Do have you do footy? Tips? I haven't even oh, looked yeah, at footy the tips. footy tips. I sure. could look. I could look on the AFL app. Charlie and I normally do our footy tips, so you can you can be you can you know what? I'll you, tip for you Charlie. Don't, you don't have to tip for you. You can tip for Charlie because okay. uh, Charlie often likes to you know like convince himself that he can pick a long shot winner as well so oh, okay. uh, right. Friday night um, uh, this is a Bulldogs game uh, Friday night football for the Bulldogs uh, fourth place 13th as the doggies go over to the Adelaide Oval to take on the Adelaide Crows Crows will absolutely smash the doggies yeah that sounds about right to be honest um, uh, I think that doggies have been going okay for a young team but Adelaide are a very very good team and uh, Adelaide will probably win that but uh, I realised recently, Lemo, that yeah. I never actually check whether I get these tips right or wrong. And so <laughs> right. it feels unfair to ever tip against the Bulldogs because I actually don't care what the result is. Okay. So I'm going back to the idea of going, you, I'm going to tip the Bulldogs regardless because... You should. Because I, I should. So right I'm going to tip do. the Doggies, yeah. even though I think Adelaide will probably win that. And it won't worry me too much if Adelaide win that, to be honest, if the Dogs are competitive. Um 
Now, this is an inter- a really fucking interesting match, I reckon. Uh, the next day, mm. uh, this has got to be... Oh, it's in Tassie, I guess it Blundstone is. Blundstone Arena in Hobart. Yeah. Um, so, North Melbourne, the Shimboners, taking on the Giants. I reckon North going to win this. Yeah, I reckon too. I think the Giants, uh, they've got too many injuries at the moment. I don't know. I just, I'm not convinced that there's any real spirit or drive. Or... Well, you're talking about, this is a, really a clash of spirits. Yeah, this is a day where we're going to see if if spirit actually is a determining factor in the game because you have a club with no spirit, no team spirit, the Giants, you know, the pretty boys who've never had to develop, you know, that underdog spirit because they've never been underdogs. None of them are underdogs. And uh, then you've got North Melbourne, home of the Shimboner spirit. So this is the... This is really the battle of whether the spirit makes a difference. It should be sponsored by the spirit of Tasmania. They should have gone. In fact, that'd be great if Leon Cameron oh, came out and said, we're gonna, we've got a plan. I want to teach the boys about spirit. So we're actually going over on the spirit on of the Tasmania. Spirit of Tasmania. In fact, should they rename it when North Melbourne play down there, the Shinboner Spirit of Tasmania? The shin, oh, that's a great marketing ploy, Leon. Yes. That is like, I need to get onto that. They down at North Melbourne need a little bit of extra money. It's part of the Tasmanian thing. Oh. They get the boys to travel, or at least the fans. You get yeah. the fans because you can drive your car. It's down the end of my street. Yeah, you literally drive your car down the end of my street. You load your car onto the Shinbona Spirit of Tasmania, yeah, <laughs> and it takes you across to the game. You drive off at the other end. You can, they should get Glenn Archer to be like a tour guide. Oh man, that'd be fantastic. Oh, so like this has it. got legs. All right, okay. So I'm going to say North Melbourne win that as well. Yep. Um, all right. Uh, the Suns, um, where are they playing? Oh, that's this is China. <laughs> Shanghai. Is, yeah, I was like, what is, <laughs> what you, what what is you... AAS? Uh, that's Adelaide Arena at Zhangwan Stadium. Oh, right. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So um, the Suns uh, take on the Port Adelaide Power in the traditional uh, Battle of Shanghai. This, I'm tipping an upset. This is the upset. That I'm tipping for Charlie. I'm saying the Gold Coast Suns are going to win this. Because you know what? They're not playing bad footy, Gold Coast. No, they're going all right. They're going all right. And I just think last week Port really played a grand final last week. Right. And I think with, what have they got, nearly a ton of luggage? Yeah. It's too much. Too much baggage? Is that what you're saying? (laughs) They've got too much baggage. So I'm going for the Gold Coast Suns. I think that there is an element of I could see that happening. Port still haven't proved themselves as being reliable. They've just come off their biggest win of the season yeah. and yep. there could be a really natural letdown. Uh, Gold Coast haven't had a home game all season. So to be honest, being surrounded by Chinese people is probably <laughs> going to give them as much of a feeling of being on the Gold Coast <laughs> as any of the games they've played this season. Like right. it's this as is cl- as home this as, is as, home as they've been so far. So... There is a, um, a potential of that, I would suggest, but no, I'm going to say the power will win that one still. Um, then the Bombers at the G taking on the oh, Cats. Geelong will pulverise Essendon. If there's going to be a really, really big upset, I mean, the heat has been on down mm. at the Bombers. They've got to respond. And Geelong, you know, could afford to drop a game and it wouldn't really, yeah. you know, ruin their season. But I reckon the Cats have got the... I think the Bombers are in proper trouble. Yeah. I think that... I think like a big win at the G is beyond them at the moment, to be honest. Bombers are in all sorts. So you think the Bombers are in trouble? Who who said that? Well, people. <laughs> people in the media have been saying that. But who but specifically? Well, just, who? you know, it's been just what people have been saying. What people? 
I can't name any. <laughs> Great moment. Great moment. I loved it. Yeah. I love when a coach goes rogue, rogue like that. I fucking love it. Wusher was off on one. Who? Yeah. No, you know what you actually said? Was... Whom? 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 Right. Whom? He speaks very well. Yeah, whom? <laughs> well, he's a qualified pharmacist. He, um, it was like an Abbott and Costello routine in the end. Yeah, well, I loved so much about that because we also got the journalist on this morning. Oh, and what did he say? Uh, yeah, he was, look, he, he, he said, I went into it thinking everybody's already talking about this. I had, didn't really kind of research who it was in particular who said it. Like, realised that he probably yeah. wasn't fully armed in that situation for his rebuttal. He won't make that mistake again. Um, all right. So I reckon, uh, okay. So we've got the Swans, uh, taking on, uh, the Dockers, uh, at the SCG. Swanee's got a shocking record at the SCG this year. It's funny, isn't it? That yeah. they can't play there. I reckon, uh, oh, the, look, the Dockers could get up here, but I'm going to tip Sydney. Uh, this is going to be my, uh, my, 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 uh, long shot for the weekend. I reckon Fremantle. Yeah. Uh, are going to come over and they are going to beat Sydney at the SCG and Nat Fife will get 52 possessions. 52. That's Is he call. any good, Nat Fife? All right, best player in the league, yeah. it turns out. Who would have thought? <laughs> Remember he had that one year? He was like, he's like Hawthorne. He was like bad for like eight rounds and everybody was like, oh, I don't think he's that good anymore. No, he is. No, he's, he's better than everyone yeah, again. No, he's pretty handy. <laughs> Uh, okay. Saints uh, taking on the Pies. Oh, Saints and the Pies. I think Collingwood will win that fairly easily. Yeah. Collingwood have been looking a bit tired, and there's you know a few injuries and stuff. But a you, couple of injuries, but yeah. St Kilda are deplorable. Yeah, I would have thought so. I would have thought uh, the Pies win that one. Uh, on Sunday, uh, Carlton taking Carlton off a win, fresh I, off a win. I tell you, uh, taking on the D's. If oh, this isn't a bad tip for an upset either, this one. I mean, this. You know what? I think Melbourne will probably win this, but this would be beautiful for my disappointing narrative. <laughs> if, if if Melbourne are going to be the new Richmond, yeah, this would be the sort of game that they would lose and like get people starting to ask big questions about them down. But I'm going to say Melbourne probably win All it right, regardless. Well, Charlie is tipping Carlton. Uh, I'd be I'd be glad to see Charlie get that. <laughs> that would bring me a lot of joy. Uh, the Lions take on uh, your boys, the Hawks, at the uh, whoa, whoa, hang so, on, at the Gabba. At, at the, the Gabba, Gabba. Uh, Luke Hodge against his old team. <sighs> I mean, you know, I, how's I mean, that going to feel for the Hawks? Hard to see. We don't, I mean, we don't want we don't want Brisbane to get their first win against us. I think we should win that. No, you'll win that. Um, but that will be a little bit of extra in there. And then the Eagles. Oh, oh this whoa. is massive. First, first, second. Top of the table clash. Home game for the Eagles. Eagles at home taking on Richmond, who've looked pretty unstoppable. But West Coast over there are good. I reckon I'm, I'm going to tip West Coast. Me too. Yeah. You know what? West Coast. West this Coast. is it, guys. Oh, West Coast. This is it, Western I mean, Australia. You've made, wow, you've really turned. Yeah. I don't know, you know, I might turn back. I, I reserve my right to flip-flop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, Limo, thank you for being uh, feeling Charlie. I really appreciate it. A pleasure. Thank uh, you. And particularly because I know how busy you are. Plug all the various things that you would like people to know about. Uh, well, there's uh, the beep test on Fox Footy. Now, if you like footy, um, when, this is a footy quiz show. Yeah. Sports and specs. 
Sports and sports and uh, spicks and speckies. Spicks and speckies. Oh, that's even better. I like that. Yeah. It's, uh, so um, that's on uh, Wednesday night, nine o'clock. And our great friend Michael Chamberlain from the Junk Time AFL podcast, the brainchild of his as well. Yes, it's his show. Uh, so uh, you, Dave Thornton, Lawrence and Mooney Lawrence is Mooney. now involved, and some AFL players and stuff like that. Yes. That's who's on it, right? Uh, Justin Kazitsky is on next week. Oh, he's very he's very funny, cause yeah. 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 Um, and uh, ABC Grandstand on the weekends. ABC Grandstand on the weekends, midday Saturday, midday Sunday. And uh, the Hot Breakfast. Yeah, uh, regular on that, which is good now fun. And again, Ruined Dits in Adelaide on Triple M. Yep. So yeah, a few bits and pieces. Oh, uh, your book? What about your book? Oh, my book. Plug yeah. your book. Uh, and my book's a real AFL book. There's heaps of uh, chapters about uh, my life as a Hawthorne fan, or just as a fan generally. Uh, it's called This Shirt Won't Iron Itself. Available at all good bookstores. I'm, sure, I'm pretty sure you can get it online somewhere still. Yeah. Available where you buy books, wherever <laughs> where that is books still. Are. Yeah. Available at airports. That's where <laughs> I is, buy books. It is available at airports. <laughs> yes. Thanks, mate. Thanks, mate. Oh, well, you normally at the end say, um, Charlie says, play on not 15, and I say ball. But really, it's just whatever your favourite, like, footy term to kind of it doesn't have to be oh. really anything and we never put much thought into it to be honest when yeah. we came up with it in the first place I can't, I'll tell you what I like is similar to Charlie's but I like touch play on the umpire is sacked or sacked <laughs> we are two guys one who can't